Let us pray. Father God, we want to thank you for another Sunday where we can come together and worship you. Lord, we pray this morning that you send your spirit to speak to us and help us to be faithful to you. The preaching of the word and also the listening and the application of your word. And we pray that we will lift Jesus up high and we will glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As you know, we are continuing on our Roman uh, sermon series on God's Righteousness Revealed. And today's sermon is entitled, Declared Righteous by Faith. As I was preparing this sermon, I felt a heavy burden because if you look at the chart uh, of our whole sermon series, you see that it's divided into five, uh, five parts, right? Uh, and uh, we have already covered the first part on sin. Today, we will cover salvation and God's righteousness provided. And it's only one sermon. And it is, to me, the most important sermon because it is talking about salvation. <laughs> God's righteousness revealed. So, um, today, we will cover Romans chapter 3, verse 21 to uh, Romans chapter 4, verse 25, as we consider righteousness provided for us. A little boy walked into the kitchen and told his mother, Mommy, I am six feet tall. The little boy is like that. I'm six feet tall. And then the mommy was very surprised. Mommy asked, How can it be that you are six feet tall? How did you determine that? So he told his mommy, Mommy, I use my shoe to measure and I am six shoes tall. With a loving smile, the mommy told him, Dear, your shoe is not one foot long. You get it? But he insisted, Mom, it's got to be because my foot is in my shoe. I am six foot tall, he insisted. Uh, many people believe that they are pretty good because they are using a faulty standard to justify themselves. Our shoes are not all one foot long exactly. Important question to ask ourselves is which standard are we using to measure ourselves when it comes to righteousness? More importantly, we ask ourselves this. What is God's standard of measurement when it comes to righteousness? Because one day we will all be standing before God and God will be using His standard and not our standard. We shall begin reading from Romans chapter 3, verse 20. So if you have your Bibles, you may want to open uh, your Bibles to it. Romans chapter 3, verse 20 is very simple to understand. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. This is the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law is to help us understand our sinful nature. That is God's standard of righteousness. And when we measure up ourselves to that standard, we realize where we are. We 
have sinned. And verse 21 continues, But now, apart from the law of the righteousness of God, has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. God has made known to us. God's righteousness has been made known to us. And that is apart from the law. What is Paul trying to say here? That your righteousness is apart from the law. The law is there to show us our sinfulness, but it does not fix our sinfulness. Because none of us can keep the law righteously. Try as we may. Like the cliche always say, been there, done that. Right? All of us, I believe, been there, done that. We try to keep the law. And we try to live righteously by the law. But we cannot do it. And God knows, and He says, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known. The law and the prophets refer to the two sections of the Jewish canon of Scripture because he is writing to the Jews. So he is re revealing to them about God's righteousness. And we ask ourselves this question, if righteousness cannot be obtained by keeping the law because it's apart from the law, how does righteousness come to us? Verse 22 is the answer. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. This righteousness is given. Given. It is not earned. It is given. Righteousness is given freely. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So when God gives, we receive, right? We receive God's righteousness as He declares us righteous. It is so difficult for us, my friends, to understand receiving freely. Why? Because in our day and age, uh, there's no free lunch. Right? There's often the joke uh, when pastor asks you out for lunch, uh, be careful, right? Because he's going to ask you to be a DG leader. Lah. He's asking you to, be some, to serve in some areas. Lah, huh? um, but be assured, uh, I'm not that kind of pastor. I'm a pastor that you can say no to. I always tell people, you can say no to me, don't say no to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I use God, lah. I use God's name, Avier. Okay, but um, that's what it is. There's no free lunch. Uh, when you receive a call, when you receive a call from somebody, right, what do we do? We are afraid that they are scammers, right? We do not know who they are. You know, they promise you free things. You know, you are very careful. It is so difficult for us to receive freely. Because in this world, we must earn. Everything must be earned. 
Everything must be a transaction. And this is so important. I took so many years to understand this. We earn people's respect. Right? We earn our reputation. We earn our degree. We earn our honours. We earn our doctorate. We earn a salary. We earn our loved one's love. We earn our retirement. I can go on and on, right? I'm sure you can fill in the blank. I earn, you fill in the blank. And there are so many things that we need to earn. Friends, if we are not careful, we try earning our spirituality. I say that again. If we are not careful, we try earning our spirituality. If I come to church every Sunday, if I read my Bible every day, if I pray 20 minutes a day, I will become spiritual. We try to earn our spirituality. I'm not saying that coming to church is wrong, just in case later you misquote me. <laughs> I'm not saying that reading the Bible is no good. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be praying. Those are good spiritual exercises and disciplines that we must have. But our spirituality is received, not earned. It doesn't mean that you kneel there for two hours, God will speak to you or you will hear God. Actually, most of the time God is speaking to us, it's just that we are not hearing Him. It doesn't mean that you fast and pray for seven days, God will have to answer your prayer. Our spirituality is received freely, not earned. Let that sink in for a while. Ask yourself, why, why are you doing what you are doing? If we are not careful, this earning mentality spills over also to our salvation. We try to earn righteousness. Have you ever tried earning for your righteousness? Have you ever tried earning for God's favour? How is your prayer life like? Why do you pray? You know, I joke with the pastors and also with my wife, you know. A lot of us pray what kind of prayers, you know? The popi, popi prayer. What is the popi, popi prayer? It's what we carry over from our past. Lah, huh? Maybe we, we, we grew up, those older ones, we grew up uh, Taoist or Buddhist. And then we pray, God, keep my family safe. Give me peace. Bless me with this and that. We pray for our family, our loved ones. That's what I call the popi, popi prayer. And then we are not careful. Huh? We think that we must do good huh? so that God answer my prayer, you know. Friends, that is wrong. Outright wrong. We receive from God freely. When it comes to God, He gives and we receive. Whatever that may be. Even if it is called cancer. 
He gives, we receive. Even if it is called challenges in life, He gives, we receive. With God, it is not a transaction. It is an act of love. Because with whatever challenges He gives us, He gives us more grace. Or do we just sing about it? Do we truly believe it? Does our life really show it? Hopefully, singing it long enough every Sunday, it goes into our hearts. From our heads to our hearts and then to our hands, and our life will show it. Just as we cannot earn time, just as we cannot earn health, just as we cannot earn a good night's sleep, righteousness is also given by God. You cannot buy it. If righteousness has a price, what is it? Let us be sure of this. The law shows us that righteousness is provided by God and given by God. It cannot be earned and it is not attainable by our good works. We have tried and we know that that is true. Verse 23, a very important verse. For all, why is that true? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's as though Paul knows no, that we all have tried. And because you tried, you realize that you have sinned. You tried living according to the Ten Commandments. And then you realize that you have sinned because you have fallen short of God's glory. All humanity have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. It is not just you. It is all of us, including your pastors. Humanity was created for the purpose of reflecting God's image. And that is what glorify God is all about, right? You understand that from the pastor's voice video. Question number four, how and why did God create us? God created us male and female. And then the purpose statement in his own image to glorify him. To reflect his image. To show the world what God is like. That is what it means to glorify him. But when Adam sinned, all humanity lost that reflection. It is like a mirror that is cracked. A mirror that is cracked will not be able to reflect God's glory or our image, right? God's image perfectly. And ever since then, we fall short of God's standard. Sin is falling short of God's glory. So it is not just about murdering people. Sin is not just about cheating people. Sin is not about lying. Sin is not about... You can fill in the blanks. Sin is falling short of reflecting God's glory. As long as we are not reflecting God's glory, that is sin. 
And since we have sinned and fallen short of God's standard, we cannot justify ourselves before God. Does it make sense? When we stand before God, we can only say God and, and the charge sheet. Eh? If you have been to a court or to be in a court martial, you will understand this. When the charge sheet is read, this is what you have done wrong, you cannot justify yourself. We cannot justify ourselves because we have fallen short. God has already established that through the law. And when we stand before Him, we cannot justify ourselves. When we think of justify, we often think of quarrel, husband-wife quarrel, or couple's quarrel, or sibling's quarrel, or disagreement, are both trying to justify themselves. Right? They reason, they, they tell you this, they tell you that, they try to justify themselves, and then they push the blame. <laughs> you, know, you know how it is done, right? But before God, we cannot justify ourselves. We can only say guilty as charged, have mercy, God. That is what it is. We need to accept that we cannot justify ourselves. Not by might, not by power, not by our own good works. It is by the Spirit of God. All who are justified must be justified freely by grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. And how did God do it? God redeemed us. A price must be paid for a wrongdoing. Every wrongdoing, there must be a price. Agree? Every sin must be punished. Agree? Even my sin. God redeemed us by paying the price. The payment, Jesus Christ. On the day of atonement in the Old Testament, many of us understand this already, animals were sacrificed and the high priest would apply the blood of the animal on the ark, the lid of the ark of the covenant for the purpose of the forgiveness of the people's sin. Once a year. You remember what happened 2,000 years ago? Some 2,000 years ago? In verse 25, it tells us, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. Christ Jesus was presented by God as our sacrifice of atonement our sin must be atoned for. He shed His blood for our sins. And this sacrifice must be received by faith. Because the sacrifice of Jesus is once and for all. Important question. Have your sins been atoned for? Have you received Jesus as your Savior? Why did God sacrifice Jesus Christ as the atonement? The verse continues. 
He did this to demonstrate His righteousness. Because in His forbearance, He had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. Like I said just now, sins must be punished. The penalty for sin is death. God is righteous and therefore God must judge sin and punish sin. When sin goes unpunished for a certain period of time, it is not God turning a blind eye. It is God's forbearance. It's like a father and a child. Your child may do something wrong for some time. You do not just go and punish your son the first time he does wrong, right? You forbear, you tahan, you pray, you hope that your child will stop doing that, right? Until he begins to harm himself. You know that great harm is going to happen. If you do not intervene, then something is going to be permanent. Then you intervene. You punish your son for his sin. In between, before the punishment, it is forbearance. So when sins are unpunished, it doesn't mean that it will go unpunished. It is God's patience and forbearance. This is a warning to us. If our sins go unpunished, it doesn't mean that it is okay. If our sins go unpunished and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, repent. Repent. Don't take God's forbearance and patience for granted. Our sins will one day catch up. Verse 26. It is very interesting verse because it continues the same phrase as the second uh, part of verse 25. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness. But this time around, he adds, at the present time. You know, when something is repeated in the Bible, in the, in the, in the scripture, it is a very important thing. This is one time after another time. God is not a naggy God. God, when he repeats something, means that it is very important. He demonstrates his righteousness. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness. And this is the crux of today's message. God's righteousness. That now he declares that same righteousness on you. At this present time, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. At our present age, God presents Jesus as a sacrifice of atonement to demonstrate His righteousness so that God can be just and God can justify those who have faith in Christ. When you believe Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are declared righteous. Friends, that is very powerful. You are declared righteous. You are righteous. 
that weight you must feel you are declared righteous you are pronounced righteous that means the judge sits up there and then he hammers he passed the judgment and he hammers not guilty you are righteous. How many of us live our lives as God's righteous? Do you live your life as God's righteous? What does it mean to be God's righteous, you ask yourself? We cannot justify ourselves. We are justified by faith. You are free. You are free to live an abundant life. Verse 27. Where then is boasting? It is excluded because of what law? There seems to be more than one law here. Eh? And he goes on to say, the law that requires works, that is one law. No, because of the law that requires faith. One works, one faith. Same law. One faith, one works. Justification by faith excludes boasting because people are not saved by their works but by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And therefore, when we stand before God, we cannot say, God, I am good. I am better than so and so. I am in the top 1% percentile. I am in the dean's list. You know, I am so and so. I am good. There shouldn't be any boasting. Because you have freely received. You didn't earn anything. By the work of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross, by God's raising Him from the dead, it requires faith to be justified, not works. Verse 28. For if we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law, or is God the God of the Jews only? Is He not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too. Since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through the same faith. No works is mentioned here. Do we then nullify the law of this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. All of us are justified by faith. Whether you are Jew or Gentile, whether you are circumcised or otherwise, or in today's church language we say, whether baptized or not. Paul affirms that the law is holy and good. It doesn't mean that when you are justified by faith, you can do away with the law. You, can, you don't need to obey the law. 
the law is holy, given by God, and good. We must still obey the law. Don't bend the law to justify yourself. Don't bend the law just to appear good. Human beings, in myself included, we are so deceitful. Sometimes when the word of God convicts me of my sin, I use me because I cannot use you. When God's word convicts me of sin, do you know what I do? Some more I'm theologically trained. I know how to do exegesis. I know how to do this and that. We twist the word of God to justify our actions, you know. Don't do that. The word of God, God's law, is to convict us of our sin and to show us that we are sinners. The problem is not with the law. The problem is with our indwelling sin. We must still uphold and keep God's law. However, the law only identifies sin and testifies that humanity is under the power of sin. It does not overcome sin. We need Jesus to atone for our sins to be pronounced righteous by God. A self-righteous, self-made man once boasted to a Christian friend. He said, you know, I'm not such a bad fellow after all. There are many worse than me. And this Christian friend boldly answered him this. My friend, you are measuring yourself by the wrong standard. You are measuring yourself by the prostitutes, the drunkards, the addicts that you see in Geylang. And you feel that you are quite good and satisfied by comparison. But go and measure yourself alongside Jesus and see how you measure up. Nobody measures up when placed alongside the perfect life of Jesus. The life of the Lord Jesus shows us how crooked, how defiled we are. And that is what we really are. If you compare with one another, sometimes you feel lousy, sometimes you feel good. But friends, that is the wrong standard. Don't waste time. Don't waste your effort. Go back to the Word of God. Look at our Lord Jesus Christ. He is our standard. And then Paul uses Abraham and David to speak uh, to the Jews. Chapter 4. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? What is this matter? Justification by faith. If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about. But if but not before God. What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. We all know Abraham. Abraham is the founding father of Israel. And he is now used as an illustration to drive home Paul's point on justification by faith. God promised Abraham that he would become a great nation. And he would be an instrument of blessing, not just to Israel, but to all the nations. However, Abraham had a problem. 
He didn't have the right ingredients, so to speak. He don't have a land. To be a nation, you need to have a land. He doesn't have any. He did not have descendants. How to be a father? If you don't have a descendant, you, don't have, you, you, you are not a father. So God called Abraham to the land of Canaan and promised him a son through his barren wife, Sarah. You know this story, right? And although neither promise seemed possible, Abraham believed God. And because he believed God, Paul regards Abraham's faith as exemplary for all the Jewish believers. Verse 4 continues, Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift. Simple, easy to understand, right? If you work, you deserve your, your wages. Huh? That's what it says. But as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work but trusts God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. That is grace, my friends. You did not work for it. God give you, you receive, you say thank you. <laughs> that is grace. Your faith is credited as righteousness. Verse 6, David says the same thing and this is how we ought to feel. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. Friends, that describes me. Does it describe you? Are you blessed? Do you feel blessed? We ought to. And against, against all hope, we jump to verse 18, okay? Time is catching up. Verse 18, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. He believed and then he became the father of many nations. Just as he has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Friends like Abraham, we must hope. We must believe. In hope, believe. In hope, believe. How did Abraham in hope believe? He knew God's promise. He was 100 years old. Sarah was 90. Still have no children. Still have no land. How to be the father of Israel? How to be the father of many nations? How? He hoped and he believed. In hope he believed and God made it happen. In your life, in your own life, I do not know what you are going through. What is it that you must exercise hope and belief? In your life, 
What is your God-sized challenge? In life, there are many challenges, right? Some challenges are small size. Small size are you use your wisdom, you use your might, you use your power, it can be done. But what is your God-sized issues and challenges that you must hope, that you must believe? Abraham had a big one. But what is yours? In hope, believe. Perhaps it is the salvation of your loved ones. You pray for the salvation 30 years, 40 years, still no breakthrough. In hope, believe. Perhaps it is your call to become a disciple maker. We are not just called to believe in Jesus and go to heaven. You know that, right? You are called to disciple. You are called to follow Jesus. You are called to become a disciple maker. You must be discipling others. Have you been obedient to that call? Perhaps that is your God-sized challenge. These are promises of God because these are what God clearly tells us to do. In hope, believe. Verse 20, Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. And this is why it was credited to him as righteousness. He did not waver because he knew that that is God's promise. And God strengthened him. And he gave glory to God even before those promises come to fruition. For those of us who have unsaved loved ones, still do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, can you glorify God first? That is core attitude. When you give thanks to God after you have received something, uh, that is called gratitude. But if you glorify God, you praise Him, you celebrate before even God deliver His gift, uh, that is called attitude. And that is the attitude that Abraham had. He glorified God, he praised God before even he was the father of Israel. Before even he had a son. When you are sure about God's promise, don't waver. Don't waver. We waver because we are unsure. We ourselves know. When we pray, we know whether that is God's promise or not. We know. Don't anyhow claim that everything is God's promise. It could be our own wishful thinking. I have to say this uh, because sometimes I'm, I'm also like that. Uh. I want this thing so bad. Uh. I say that God, 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 you know, God promise. Uh. You sure? I may sound very offensive now, uh, but I need to confront you on this. Don't anyhow claim that it is God's promise that your kid will grow up well and become somebody someday. There's no guarantee, right? 
I mean, I thank God for pastors, but some of my pastor friends, uh, their kids, uh, don't really turn out that well. Right or not? Don't claim that it's God's promise that you will not get COVID. Uh. Some people are like that, no? Huh? Have or not? I know some friends who are like that, no? When COVID just came. In the name of Jesus, I will not get COVID. Have or not? You don't have, huh? I won't introduce my friend to you, don't worry. <laughs> By extension, I will not get cancer. I will not die young. I will always have good health. These are the poor people, la. Or worse still, I cannot toto. Friends, those are not God's promises. You have to be sure of that. That may be just our wishful prayer. Instead, hope and believe in God's promise. Do not waver through unbelief if it is God's promise. And God will strengthen your faith as you glorify Him. Be fully persuaded that God has the power to do it and He will fulfill His promise. And God will credit that to you with righteousness. The words, verse 23, the words it was credited to him were written, not for him alone, not for Abraham alone, but also for us. To whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus from uh, Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. It is not just for Abraham, it is also for us. Claim that promise. Abraham was declared righteous. So are you and so am I. We are declared righteous. Walk out of this sanctuary knowing today that you are declared righteous and go and live as God's righteous. I love Friday mornings. Do you know why I love Friday mornings? Because every, if you do not know this, this is a good lobang for you, okay? If you do not know, uh, Friday mornings for the first, don't know how many thousand people, uh, if you go and you use your pay la to pay for your, pay for your breakfast, uh, you get $3 rebate. Credited back to you. So if your meal is three fifty, you pay by pay la, $3 to go back to you, you only pay $0.50 cent for your meal. That's why I love Friday mornings. Imagine with me this. One Friday morning, you go and have breakfast. You use your pela to pay. Some Friday mornings, I use my pela to pay, got no rebate. Because already hit quota. <laughs> But imagine that, that Friday you go and use PayLa to pay. You receive $3 rebate and then you receive another message. Huh? 3 million credit. Didn't happen to me. Lah. This is just a story. okay? How will you feel? <laughs> Scam. Yeah, that's the first word. Huh? I will quickly call the bank. No? Hey, true or not? Huh? Why my account like that? How come got $3 and then did you all make a mistake? 
And the bank reply you, uh, imagine again, uh, bank reply you, $3 is correct. The $3 million is also correct. It is credited to you by this person called G-O-D. God. How will you feel? Scam. Uh, quickly draw out. Interesting, right? Friends, this is important for us to understand. Because God did not just credit us 3 million. God credit us righteousness. I pray that none of us here think that that's a scam. I pray that none of us here quickly went to withdraw or think of doing something. Receive. Receive righteousness. Give thanks to God. And live, I'm sure your life will be different when you begin to live righteously. Friends, that is what it means to glorify God. To reflect His glory. If you believe and hope in that, God credits righteousness to you. Free of charge. Receive it. It is not earned by our works. Let us pray. Say a prayer to God. Understand what it means to be declared righteous. So that we don't have to earn our way with God. And after an appropriate time, the worship team will lead us in response.